0: Welcome, welcome, my lovies, to Faces of Postpartum, the podcast. I am Ariane Odé, writer, mom, photographer, advocate, and founder of the project. In this podcast, I feature postpartum stories from parents and formal discussions with friends about parenthood and interviews with passionate providers and experts. Everything here is evidence-based, honest, and heartfelt. So stick around for unfiltered talks about the postpartum period. It's always an honor to have you here. We were saying that we wanted to record because we thought we were funny. (laughs) We're like super funny. All right. So I'm going to start that little baby. Hi, Bianca. Good
1: morning. (laughs) Hi.
0: So today we are asking ourselves. What is postpartum? I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too. Because it sounds like a simple question, but digging a little bit into it, I realized it was not. So as with anything, and I'm sure you've done that too. That has to oh, you do know, with-
1: I've studied the layers.
0: <laughs> you've studied the layers? Well, good. That's awesome. But what did you do to study the layers? Did you turn to Google?
1: Absolutely, you know, I turned to Google.
0: It's like our children have a rash. Google. What is postpartum? Google. Mm -hmm. What's nice nice with Google is that it gives you a very clear sample of what people are looking for, which is like a a good sociological experiment. And Mm -hmm. so, if you look at the word postpartum on Google, the results and just the word are by far mostly related to depression. Correct. So, If you search what is postpartum dot dot dot, the most search expressions are postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression treatment, postpartum hemorrhage, which is very (laughs) concerning Yeah. and postpartum period, which I was kind of happy to read that, that finally people realize like, oh, okay, it's not just, you know, a problem because Mm -hmm. this is what ended up happening is that you considered postpartum as being either an illness, uh, a complication that will possibly kill you,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: a medical condition that requires treatment. Mm-hmm. And all of this is obviously not wrong, but the fact that everything related to this shared period of our lives that is literally experienced by millions, there are, again Google, 140 million babies born each year in the world and four million alone in the US. It this tells us a lot about the preconceptions we have of what is postpartum. And I remember vividly and ironically, while being admitted in a psych yard, I always do that. Is it psych yard? Psych ward. I think ward. It's a ward. Yeah. Yard ward. Is like mm-hmm. Backyard. Yeah. I, think, I was not yeah, in the garden. Yep. <laughs> it's like what happened? You, <laughs> yes. you suffer from acute postpartum depression. They put you in a garden. wish uh-huh. you good luck.
1: Yep. Which You're outside. Wouldn't be bad. Yeah
0: you're outside in the wild. Yeah, so what I wanted to do when I founded Faces of Postpartum is to reinvest the word postpartum with something else than symptoms or treatment. In short, to think postpartum, not based on what the medical establishment is telling us what it should be, but what is the definition? Because if you type again what is the definition or meaning of postpartum the first page not just the first results the first mm-hmm. page directs you towards Directly medical d- websites that Bio is Clinic, correct WebMD. it's like if doctor literally decided created, I know, yeah created yeah. and defined the word and we mm-hmm. all know that those who define and those who represent own the perspective and own the representation the general population have. So of course battling with (laughs) postpartum depression uh, is part of the postpartum experience and it's the most common, albeit not normal, complication of giving birth or welcoming a child. And of course people need to have the resource to be taken care of but it doesn't mean that there's not something, shall I say, profoundly wrong <laughs> with the fact that as birding people and postpartum people, we don't have a lot of choice in what it means to be postpartum. And therefore, we kind of just don't want to talk about it or swipe
1: it under the rug, because it's very uncomfortable. Um, and I'm glad was, you brought that up. Yeah, because we do get when we go in, so say for instance, when we go to get medical treatment, they automatically are telling us that it is depression and that they already have the medications to take care of that piece of everything. Right?
0: Yeah. There's something very passive about we receive the child. How many times do you hear uh, my doctor delivered? It's like, no. No, honey, you delivered your baby. Your doctor Mm -hmm. was merely there to either catch it if it came out of your vagina. Correct. uh, In a position that is comfortable for him or her, or it pulled it out of your body, but you delivered Mm -hmm. your baby. It's not, you know, it's not, these people are not doing it.
1: You did the work.
0: You did the work. And there's, again, you know, there's a lot to say about that passive posture the delivering person or the postpartum person, or even the pregnant person. It's like you Mm -hmm. are being told what you're supposed to do, which, you know, isn't faced with most things that happen with the rise of uh, the medicalization of, of everything related to, to childbirth. Mm -hmm. And it's, it sucks, you know, (laughs) ultimately it really sucks because it's not empowering and, and listen to this. You know I'm a woman of word. This is what I used to do by trade to analyze discourse for mm-hmm. more than a decade. I know word matter. I know how we perceive them matter. I know how we represent document things will interfere with the way we experience that very thing. You mm-hmm. know, language is powerful. And so I dug in my dictionaries for etymological meaning and I got very excited about that. Obviously, and <laughs> etymologically, can you believe it? Etymologically, yes. uh, postpartum means the period just after the delivery. Post from after, and partum from the verb parir. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it in English. Mm-hmm. To produce, to bring forth, or to bear. And listen to that shit. The root of parir, parir is par. Which is father in French, which means to grant, to a lot, to procure. It's incredibly different than the meaning we associated it when the word, the expression, postpartum depression, was attested in 1929 by a doctor. <laughs> um, ultimately, the postpartum period is just that it's a time after we bear, produce, create, accomplish something. In this case, a child, Mm -hmm. or in cases like adoption, the arrival, the period after the arrival of a child, so it's a work that speaks of temporality Mm -hmm. and accomplishment. It has nothing to do with mental illness. This is depression is the adjective that defines postpartum, but postpartum itself does not mean any of that. On the contrary, it's an incredibly empowering and soothing (laughs) term. And Mm so my question to you, because now I'm going to shut up is (laughs) I got very excited. Now I'm going to ask you a question is that before even going in, had you ever heard of the word postpartum? If so, what perception did you have? What understanding did you have of the word?
1: So before I went in for Fiona, I was aware Did I understand what it meant? No, I tried my hardest to not read too much while I was pregnant with my first child because I didn't want everything that I read to feel true to me, if that makes sense, right? You know how you're supposed to read all these mommy books, these baby books, prepare, prepare, prepare. And sometimes I feel like that's just too many people telling me what to do and that's awkward for me to say, because I do read things. So don't no, think I do I, I hear
0: don't. that a lot in interviews. Most, a lot of people will be like, either they feel it's, it's paternalistic. Is it how you say that? Like it's, there's something like, I'm going to tell you what to do. Or to yeah. my advice, there's not a lot of welcoming spaces.
1: Yes. You know, so there's not a lot of dialogue more than someone talking at you mm-hmm. to tell you what you should be doing for your experience i wanted to create my own experience and enjoy it because once you start reading things you start to overanalyze everything at least for myself and i start to really think hard like oh is this true is this not true what am i doing wrong what am i doing right the book says this so i've stopped and you know of course that first book that you get as a mom is like That lady on the front of the book that fucking
0: pastel book what to expect when you're expecting this book this book needs to be burned burn burn that book i'm not for burning books but burn that book
1: yeah that book i got through probably the first couple of parts of it and i was like "Mm, i'm okay yeah let me go ahead and put that back over here and i just decided probably around month seven that I was going to just get I wanted to see what my whole birth journey would be and afterwards and I was just aware of postpartum but I didn't know what it meant and I definitely wasn't explained that in my checkups or anything they don't want to probably scare you into anything but afterwards my doctor was like hey so you're going through this yeah (laughs)
0: But again, it was brought to you. It was. But it was brought to you under the lens of depression. Again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it no, was. It's funny because we don't want to scare women or burning people. And yet, by not about it, we make it worse. Mm-hmm. And the depression might be, you know an aspect of it, but by not talking about it as a whole, which is strange because we love control and the postpartum period, it's is so much under our control than Mm -hmm. our birth or even pregnancy. Correct. Um, You know, of course, you cannot plan for if your baby is in the NICU and all those things, but you can absolutely plan in all circumstances. Who's going to take care of your other toddler? Who's going to deliver you food? Who's? Yeah all of those things can be planned and will apply whether or not you have complication, you know, like all of these things can be put in place and be put under control. And yet we're just like, no, we're just not going to talk about it. You know, what also is um, interesting
1: too is for myself, I had a doctor's office full of women, Mm -hmm. all women doctors. And surprising enough, all of them have children, but don't talk about, postpartum because you know that they've probably experienced it too but Mm -hmm. don't want to probably make you feel uncomfortable about their own story too but i'd love to hear a doctor's postpartum story
0: yeah absolutely
1: it would make them feel normal or make you feel connected to them
0: Sometimes, and it's funny because my sister's a doctor, so Google, please don't be mad at me. I feel that they are, and it's not just a feeling, I've heard actual physicians talk about that. There's some sort of a brainwash, you know, they, mm. they teach them that they are godly. So they are kind of above emotions to a certain extent, and it helps to squeeze them so much with crazy hours and, you know to be detached from your emotion that much and to rationalize everything is very um, useful when you have that kind of job uh, under a system that will just drain every bit of energy you have. Mm -hmm. So to come and be like, hey, be vulnerable, it goes against their training, the absolute foundation of who they are as professionals and professionals who have been told you are the best thing that the world have to offer so enjoy it also they have more means usually and it Mm -hmm. means support might already be in place and yeah again it's not it's not everything but there is definitely something with the structure of healthcare itself that does not permit vulnerability and flexibility and you know one-on-one heartfelt chat about how messy it's going to be Mm-hmm. Because there is change, and, and I feel it also speaks of that. Is that we, as you know, in an industrialized society, we have an arrogance in thinking that things don't change. You know, we're in a freaking pandemic, and yeah. corporations haven't asked their employees to slow their workload or to reduce their workload, they're still expecting the same level of productivity or more or more, because now you're at home, you don't have to commute. You don't, it makes no sense. And it's always like progress, progress, productivity, productivity. And and then you find yourself welcoming a child that will, it it literally arrives with an ax. Is that how you say that? (laughs) Is it an ax like that thing that you chop wood Yes. And it's just (laughs) going to chop the shit out of the wood of your life. And it's just going to make it explode and it's fine it's change and it will pass and you will readjust and mm-hmm. you know with help if you go through something deeper but fundamentally it's a huge change
1: it's a it's a major change it's something that you have to work at getting comfortable with yourself again you know i had my oldest is turning 4 February 23rd and for me I'm like whew, I still go through things you know like I told you in the beginning I have a lot of anxiety issues (laughs) and so just thinking about what I could have known beforehand to try to work on it would have made me feel or started my process of healing after birth probably a lot quicker they wait till afterwards or don't tell you anything and you just kind of got to figure it out right
0: yeah and it, it sucks because you know the the house smoke again with my metaphor of <laughs> burning wood you know there <laughs> will be smoke but usually when we get to the point of the house is on fire now we we consult and now they're like yes let me save you And you're Mm -hmm. like, no, I just wanted to be aware that the house might catch on fire and that there would be smoke. And I think this is the problem with all those books and stuff, is that it provides advice when in fact you just need to know there's a space for you afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, whatever you're going through, I'm here. Like, I'm going to be here for a one-on-one heartfelt discussion. I'm really (laughs) stuck with that one-on-one heartfelt. Not checking boxes on a piece of paper just like there's, there are communities out there and there are things you can do to make this transition not so painful because it mm-hmm. will be painful as everything that has to do with change. Yeah,
1: a common uh, response to a lot of things that moms say after birth is, I wish I would have known. I wish someone would have just told me yeah. that this is going to happen. I wish that, another mom would have told me at the same time sometimes we're not prepared to hear
0: and it's fine
1: and it's totally fine yeah and it's a part of the process
0: absolutely it is part of the process and as the person who that's the thing we shouldn't give advice you can if you trust a person you can ask how was your postpartum period that's right as people who have gone through it our job is not to give advice, but to offer a safe space. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm here, you know, I'm just gonna be here. And the question I hate most is, what can I do for you? (laughs) Like, and I'm like, I don't know, man. You can't do anything. Pick up this, Uh, yes, and at the same time, I don't want you to hold my newborn. I don't trust anybody with my newborn. But you can have food delivered. But you can can sit
1: next to me. Yes, also. Sit next to me, just sit here. That's what I wanted sometimes was, you know i i love my husband dearly but he can't do what another female could do for me yeah,
0: if that makes sense absolutely
1: you know you need that companionship to know that you have somebody who is like you who can just sit there right next to you and maybe not say one word right you can just feel their comfort
0: what else would you have needed
1: I would have, I think I would have needed more me time. We are very selfish after we have our children because we want to keep them to ourselves. There are so many people who are around you who could help you even just hold the baby for a second, but we get so wrapped up in I'm supposed to be the one taking care of it. I'm supposed to be the one holding it. It's my responsibility when you can share it. But I just wish I would have shared a lot more than I did. And I did, but going out of town for a night or two hours to myself to take a walk, you know, eating something by yourself, just a moment.
0: Yeah. To normalize and I, that too, mm-hmm. that it's okay to do it. And also it's okay not to want to give away your newborn if you don't want to,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. But but self-care is very yeah. important. And we lose that once we give birth because all we can think about is the person who we just <laughs> brought into yeah. the world.
0: Which I guess there's a biological component to it, you know, mm-hmm. so we don't abandon that thing on the side of the road. Although That's we right. Do, we think about it sometimes.
1: <laughs> sometimes we might think about it, right? But at the same time, you're like, I have a responsibility and I'm gonna do it to the fullest but I do suggest taking a moment.
0: You said to the fullest and this idea of sacrifice yeah. is so <laughs> ingrained oh, in it's, motherhood yeah. and it's so unhealthy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. We are told to give our all to our children and I'm all for it, but I also need to give my all to myself too in order to give my all to my children.
0: Yeah. And everybody, it's funny because again, you, sometimes you will show up, the house is on fire and then (laughs) that fucking doctor is going to be like, my child, you got to put your oxygen mask first. And you're like, fuck you, man, the house is on fire. There's no more time for that. Like I needed to know that before I needed to have a society that, that will support that, not just then put the responsibility on the individual.
1: Yeah, to I save agree her with own you. skin,
0: it's like, yeah, I'm medicalized, but there's still a side of me who's like, if thing had been built differently in the world we live in, I might not have needed it, mm-hmm. because I would not have gone so far into the distress and the loneliness, and that I I, I would not have needed to be medicated to handle that pressure and. <clears throat> endless sacrifice that was yeah. demanded, both embodied or integrated by myself and also from the outside world. Mm-hmm.
1: It's easy agree to say,
0: self-care, go take a walk, do yoga, when every single day of your life since you're like five, you understand that specifically as a woman, you have to be kind, sacrifice yourself, give your all, give your everything, you're gonna have to work hard. And then somebody to tell you, take care of yourself, it's your responsibility, and you're like, where do you find that
1: time correct exactly yeah Yeah. it's it's a it's a journey and you you have to figure out how you're going to maneuver through it yourself to get out of that shell right yeah absolutely you know you've you've spent so much of your life (laughs) that's so weird to say you've spent so much of your life doing for yourself Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden you're told here do this and do your best with this infant that you have no idea what to do with. I know. Yeah. And it's it's a beautiful thing, but it could also be very, very sad and hard to work through if you don't have the right tools. I also was thinking to myself, remember that class in high school that we all took called Family Life? I
0: didn't have that i had a very creepy man who taught me how to put a condom on a banana and he was obviously very uncomfortable
1: okay so i would be too
0: i think it was related to religious education Uh, so it was like, like very
1: messy yeah ours was family life in a sense of here you're a woman here is what you have on your body. All right, here, you're a man. Here's what you have on your body. You go through a period. You have wet dreams. You go, you know, you grow up. You grow up. Then you two connect. And then you have a sex and then you have a baby, right? And in my head, I'm like, how come we don't have classes that talk about depression? We don't have things that are talking about what, we are experiencing even as we grow up, yeah, to help health. us <laughs> exactly. We don't have any mental health anything in our teenage years to help us prepare yeah, for adulthood, right? Isn't that something else? And you have teenagers who are having children who still have no resources as to what it feels like to go through postpartum after
0: yeah, absolutely. and it's it's interesting because I read books with my four year old with colors and mm-hmm. Here's sadness, here's joy, here's anger, here's here's serenity, here's anxiety. And then there's a huge gap between that. How are we supposed to handle our emotion through changes? We talk about postpartum, but the postpartum period is just that it's a change. It's a period in your life where things change. Sorry. It's like a screen fist over there. And. And yeah, how do you handle change? How do you have like a community? Do you have a village around you that will help you go through that? And if we want to talk about that, how is that represented in movies or in the Mm -hmm. media? I vividly remember watching and it was a TV show about an OB, like working in a hospital. And there's this woman, she gives birth and the next scene is her. In her perfectly quiet newborn in the little, you know, plastic bassinet. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting in an immaculate room wearing an immaculate robe. And she's reading a fucking magazine. And like,
1: I am so what? proud of her to the fact that she was able to do any of that. Shit. Like, as I mean, like, I barely was able to freaking take a shower. I was barely able not- to make a plate of food like a bowl of soup. I know. That's just water out oh, of She like- was
0: at the hospital. Like she's yeah. just there's nothing around and I'm like we're talking like 2014. I mean, dude, like make an effort. This is not what it looks like after you just gave birth. This is not it.
1: We have to talk about that as well because vanity is mm-hmm. a thing. We got to do an episode about it too. Take- yeah, because if you think about all of the social influencers who post their beautiful backgrounds this is what my life looks like right i have a beautiful nursery i have a beautiful setup here i have people who are going to support me but those same individuals are still going through postpartum as well yes they are just going through it a different way right the way that they present it on social media might be helping them through the process but to us on the outside looking at them we look at it like oh, this is what you're supposed to be looking like my daily life doesn't look like that how do we get that and i think that is a good topic to talk about because it can be deceiving
0: it's very deceiving and it's also i will never attack an individual in particular, but I can absolutely attack the idea as a whole. And that idea of portraying or taking what's on social media as the truth, more and more influencers will actually talk about it still, you know, they capitalize on that, they make money out of it. So there's also like a, a capitalistic component to it that is very difficult to it pushes break away to from to yeah. buy to consume what they're presenting. Making, exactly,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 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 wild. I was one of those individuals that signed up for all of the mama influencers on Instagram yeah. before I was, you know, when I was pregnant with Fiona, and I was like, oh, "This is what this is what I'm supposed to look like." Oh my goodness, let me do my room like this and that. And then afterwards, I was like, mm, "Yeah." yeah. Yeah, but I'm this okay. is appealing, but people,
0: I think, need to understand this is a business. This is a, a re- as you said, it's a representation, it's a performance, Is it, it's not reality, it's a show. No. It's a show, and it's fine if you're making money out of it, but we need to be honest about what it is, and it's not reality. Again, where did we get this idea that social media was supposed to be reality, the way Correct. it was marketed? And again, in order to get our data and get money from us, which, you know, is the world we live in. And again, we, we can just complain about it, which is exactly what we're doing. That's
1: exactly what we're doing, but we won't be the only ones as we think about
0: it. No, absolutely not. What did I want to ask you? Resource about the fourth trimester. I like the term fourth trimester because in essence, it's a beautiful thing to think that once your baby is out you still have to go through a fourth trimester in order to really kind of get your shit together but mm-hmm. it was branded again as something you need shit for you know <laughs> you, need yes. to buy a you need to buy a ductot you need to buy you know and granted some of these things have my life but
1: i was right there with you
0: what would you have wanted now that you have the experience not in terms of things but if you had to make a postpartum plan or uh, wish list right now, what would that be?
1: That's a very good question because you're presented with so many things throughout the process of while you're pregnant to after birth. I'm still presented with things. I'm like, ooh, Mm -hmm. could that have been something very useful? And awkwardly, all I can think about is having more fruits. Is that weird? That is such a weird I response. I know, right? So for me, when I was going through the whole process, I ate terribly.
0: Okay, I understand now.
1: You know, the yes. whole thought of having this baby, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to stress eat. You know, just kind of like, that's the mindset behind why I said more fruits and vegetables. I think I was just in a mindset of, I want to do whatever I want. I want to eat whatever I want. I want to enjoy my pregnancy. And at the same time, if I would have eaten better, I wouldn't have felt so horrible post-birth as to getting myself back to a healthier state.
0: I understand.
1: A lot of sandwiches.
0: Sandwiches are great. Bread is like, I would eat that every day.
1: I mean, bread, I was like, But if I would have eaten better and taken the time to look that stuff up, I think I would have felt a lot better post-pregnancy because I started to do that afterwards. I was like, oh, I gotta get myself back together. But again,
0: that was from a place of kind of- I didn't know. Guilds, but it's like, you gotta take back your body as if your Mm -hmm. body isn't yours anymore and did something wrong. But I do agree that being fed like you are feeding your baby. It would be so nice to be fed during our pregnancy and postpartum period. For my second birth, I had a home birth and my neighbor, Jessica, would send over, and it was a long home birth, it was 31 hours, she would send balls of mangoes, cut mangoes and cut peaches. And I remember that because I was in the tub and my husband would just put
1: those delicious
0: peaches. See, I love that, yeah. And it was the most, you know, I remember my birth, but this specifically was a beautiful, beautiful. That's attention. right. Feed the mom when she's
1: laboring. That's right. That is where I was getting at is, I love everything you just explained because if that would have happened, I just feel like that would have helped me start the process of healing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, your nurtured. You're,
1: that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that, that's a good that's a good final word um yeah. to this episode to nurture and this is something that is out there luckily and I, I know a lot of other postpartum blogs or pages who are trying to normalize that conversation like us are using that like nurture the mother, you know, mother the mother. And it's it's I think this ultimately, you know, we can attach a lot of definition to that or a lot of mm-hmm. advice. But yeah the idea is that it's like it's not hippie shit to say nurture the mother and feed the mother that's and, right you know it's just basic human care we just, correct
1: right like we should be taken care of during the pregnancy as well we're carrying something yeah. that is beautiful
0: yeah and not have to do it all i i went to visit my my cousin <laughs> and my aunt when i was back in canada and at some point, my cousin, she she just had a baby and she said, her husband is a farmer. He has mm-hmm. a dairy farm and she said, I wish I would have another baby, but he's working so much. It's, it's very hard when she was supposed to, her house was being built. So she went to live with her mother. And she's like, that was the best four months of my life. She Mm -hmm. was with her mom every day. And I know it's not possible for everybody, but she's like, I'm not in a relationship with my mom. And it stuck with me. And I wrote to her the other day and I was like, no, but this village, this filiation, this transmission, this mother who is feeding you as you are feeding your own child is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. If you're not having another baby just because you don't want to be nurtured by your mom, you're making a mistake, make another baby. (laughs) and just you know be nurtured by your own mother if you can this is okay there's nothing wrong with asking for help and not even asking for help thinking that it's normal to receive help and
1: being nurtured that's the key right there
0: yeah it's okay it should be like that Mm -hmm. take it make another baby
1: this has been fun. I love that.
0: It has. Well, thank you so much for listening to Faces of Postpartum. We are your host, Ariane Ode
1: And Bianca Muscatus.
0: If you like the show, be sure to rate it and register on Apple or anywhere you get your podcast. If you have any idea for shows or anything else at all, you can reach us at podcast at com. We also have an Instagram at Faces of Postpartum and you can find Bianca
1: at... Bianca Moskitis on Facebook as well as at Life of Bianca M on Instagram.
0: Wonderful. So I will see you in two weeks.
1: That's right. Take care.